0: Oh, won't someone please think of the children?
1: Hello, everybody. It's Random Fandom again a show where I, Stephanie Weaver, talk to my friend, Britt. I don't know why I'm stretching out all of my words today. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, trying to build the suspense. Like,
0: Yeah, I think
1: it's good. <laughs> I think a little bit of suspense in
0: episode nine is good. Hi, I'm Britt. Day, I'm just kind of feeling my summer self. I've, I've got my tattoos out. Finally Suns out, guns work. out. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's great. Suns out, buns out. Um, I've been working on my New Mexico sleeve, so I've got some nice hot air balloons and got the start of a La Llorona tattoo, and I'm just wearing like a tank top and shorts because it's actually stupidly hot
1: in Davis right now. So that's me this week. Yeah. I I guess I feel like a sloth today because I want to talk so slowly about things I don't know I feel like so we've been my husband and I have been packing because we're moving soon and we're basically packing over the course of like five or six weeks and it really feels like this is the part of slow living that nobody tells you about like slow (laughs) packing but it's been good it's it's meant like clearing out a bunch of stuff and actually last week I mentioned that some of this was stuff from my fanish interests that I've decided to let go of, including mm. my Batman candy bucket, which is coming back around this week because we're gonna be talking about Batman. So Yeah, Batman. I forgot, Britt, do you have a tagline for us this week? Let's see.
0: Welcome to random phantom, <laughs> where sometimes we beat up criminals. <laughs>
1: That's right this episode we're gonna we're gonna bring a criminal in and then well we're in different states so i think what's gonna have to happen is like one of us will bring a criminal in and the other person will have to like brood on whoever is beating up the criminal and then we'll switch <laughs> places so um
0: i should just point out that we at random fandom do not in fact support beating up criminals.
1: Uh, no, we don't think that's a good way to rehabilitate people, which actually questions about like rehabilitation and treatment of criminals is going to come up a lot today. Yeah, um, it's a good follow up
0: from our <laughs> true crime episode.
1: Yeah, actually, it does. It does feel like it. it's maybe a good follow up. This is also inadvertently going to be a good follow up to the last of us episode because the. The character we're gonna be focusing on today was voiced by Troy Baker in one of the video games who was the voice of Joel in Last of Us. Oh, so I didn't we're making know connections that. all over the place. I'm
0: excited.
1: <laughs> so I'm just gonna start by asking you, Britt, like, what do you know about Batman? Like if somebody were to ask you to name like five Batman facts, what do you think you could come up with? Five Batman facts. Fact one, Batman's
0: parents were murdered when he was a child. I think they were murdered in front of him in some iterations, but maybe not all iterations. Fact two, he's a billionaire, which makes it really hard to feel bad for him about his parents dying. <laughs> Fact three, in some iterations, he is a detective and in others, he is a also a vigilante I think yeah there's there's some kind of problematic treading both of those areas let's see fact four is that he lives in Gotham which is a Uh, shithole let's see fact (laughs) five is he has a butler named Alfred who seems to have been taking care of him since he was a child, but somehow like that was fine to have the butler care for him and raise him instead of like other family members, which, yeah, so that's unclear. So that's where I stand.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to give like a little like fan bio, I guess, like Stephanie's Batman history, because that that's kind of going to influence what we talk about today spoiler alert we're not actually going to end up talking about batman as the focus but so i grew up watching batman the animated series a lot of people talk about the michael keaton batman as being like the batman that would have been our childhood batman for people mm-hmm. mine and brit's age but for me it was kevin conroy who was the voice of batman and batman the animated series he actually passed away within the last year i think and mm-hmm that voice was so iconic for me like that that batman was to me what a batman should be and the like world of the show was really interesting it had this kind of almost like an art deco art style for a lot of the animation and it had this interesting like retro futurism kind of thing where like airships dir- dirigibles were totally a thing that popped up Mark Hamill was also the voice of the Joker in that show. And that is the reason why I can now almost always recognize (laughs) when Mark Hamill is doing voice acting in something. Like I was watching Adventure Time the other day and like one line came out of the character's mouth and I was like, that's Mark Hamill. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the Batman I grew up on. My parents, especially my dad, also introduced us to the Adam West Batman. We watched a lot of the old really campy Batman stuff and had a lot of fun with it. I also got really into the Christopher Nolan Batmans as they came out. I actually cried in the theater at the dark night. It was the scene where you find out that commissioner Gordon wasn't actually dead the whole time. Like I sat in Aww. the theater and cried like a child. I get really in my feels about Batman a lot of the time. So Around the time that um, The Dark Knight Rises came out, I was I was starting to really dig into comic books more. I had kind of like dabbled in the past, but in the past I had very low levels of accessibility to comics. And Mm -hmm. in the late 90s, I discovered things like acquiring copyrighted content through questionable means. (laughs) No, you didn't. No, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I I I preciously guard my digital copies of of comic books. I especially got into a lot of stuff from the 80s and 90s around this time. And I was reading some new stuff too, but I really got into the comics in my mid to late 20s. And this was also around the same time that I met Brit and started actually like writing fan fiction and I was starting to read and write fan fiction in the the Bat family as well. And it was around this time that I really moved from being, like, a Batman fan to being a Bat family fan. So they, like, all the Robins and the Batgirls and Batwoman. And actually, Mm. there's a whole little series in the Batwoman comic books about La Llorona. So um, (laughs) we're making everything come full circle. It all comes back to Batman. But what I really found interesting as I got older was, like, batman as this like ideology that all of these other people are forced to respond to and like Mm -hmm. cope with in some way yeah so you see all of the different people who have trained under him having to make their own decisions about what part of his moral code they will keep and what parts they can't and then Mm -hmm. also like understanding some of the limitations of that so to we're going to be focusing today on the on the second robin jason todd who
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't think has ever really been featured in any of the live action stuff he's complicated which is part of why we're going to talk about him today but to to kind of help us place this in time i'm going to give you a a kind of brief history of the robins and like when they first appeared in the comics and that kind of thing so okay. the the first robin appeared in 1940 this was a point when a lot of superhero characters were getting younger sidekicks i and i think i i feel like i read like part of this was because a gay a like a gay panic like oh god all of the superheroes might be gay i know let's give them children <laughs> that are always the same gender as them it's um you know it's really kind of remarkable and nice
0: to look back at a time when the response to a gay panic was to give adults children to uh, indoctrinate into their strange ideologies Uh because apparently the panic did not include the idea of grooming children at the time yeah
1: yeah so like Batman got Robin Superman got Superboy Wonder Woman got Wonder Girl but anyway like this was happening in to a lot of superheroes. They were getting young mm. sidekick. So 1940, we have Dick Grayson, who I would argue has the most recognizable ass in all of DC <laughs> Comics. At one point in time, when he is being a secret agent, his cover is blown because a- another man recognizes his ass. So... <laughs> Totally not gay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the the man who does recognize his ass is a gay man. So Dick Grayson was the son of circus acrobats who were part of a a very successful traveling troupe. His parents fall to their deaths in front of him at a performance after a racketeer partially cuts through the ropes of their- yeah, so Bruce what is Wayne it is- with a-
0: killing parents in front of their it's children in so, this time yeah, period? Yeah,
1: it, it, there's a lot of that. So Bruce Wayne is also at this performance. He sees it happen. He takes in Dick Grayson and trains him to be a crime biter. And that's how we get the first Robin. So how old is is Robin- about, I want to say he was like nine at this point, maybe something like
0: that. That's interesting. So he's he's nine. He's kind of like, I feel like there's also kind of a sense of like a cash grab. Like <laughs> if we can have a character that children can yep. see themselves in, then that's going to help sell comic books.
1: Yeah. So Dick Grayson is the Robin for the next 40 years. And he he grows up, he in the i think starting in the 70s i think he becomes part of the teen titans which is a mm. group it's like supposed to be the like all well, the sidekicks should get to hang out and be buds sometimes so all of their like mentors <laughs> give them permission to form their own superhero group so they can hang out and be buds i, I um, love the
0: idea that like dick grayson joined batman at 9 in 1940 and now yeah. in the 70s when he
1: yeah
0: like almost 40 years old he's in the teen type you
1: know I think in the canon right now he's probably like late 20s he he might have hit 30 at this point (laughs) maybe
0: yeah
1: so we're getting to a point in the story where Dick is feeling some tensions about always following Batman's orders always being in Batman's shadow he's he's you know he's a teenager he wants to like start doing his own thing. Um, And he's spending a lot more time with the Teen Titans. And it's, this is 1983 in real life.
0: Okay. Batman
1: gets a new sidekick named Jason Todd. And- for the first two years of Jason Todd being Robin, he has an almost identical backstory to Dick Grayson. He's also the son of acrobats who died suddenly in an accident. The, the main difference is that he has red hair instead of black hair, but then he starts dyeing his hair black, so he'll match Dick Grayson, and it's okay. it's weird. Yeah. Then in 1985, we have Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is a crossover event which comic books do from time to time, basically to give them an excuse to like substantially change the structure and timeline and characters of mm-hmm. their comic book universe. And after this crossover event, Jason Todd's character changes significantly. He is, he, he, he's a street kid, basically, who Batman catches trying to steal the tires off of the Batmobile very different.
0: That is like, that's a brave kid, man. Because yeah. Presumably they all know who Batman is yeah. and like, they are not going to fuck with Batman. I think I'm impressed. I can see why Batman well, would take and it in. And
1: yeah, part of it's like an act of desperation. Like Jason is so poor and hungry that stealing the tires off the Batmobile seems like a good idea. So Jason has a pretty short tenure as Robin, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Our third Robin shows up in 1989. It's Tim Drake. Tim Drake is a rich kid. He's actually Bruce Wayne's neighbor. His parents are like chronically absent because they're like, I think like archaeologists or anthropologists or something like that. So they're always traveling and they basically leave Tim at home in the care of the housekeeper. Tim's the like he's the smart Robin. He's, he's the one who's best at the detective work. He's really good with computers. So he's Robin for probably the next, I'm going to guess like 20 years in real lifetime, roughly. There's some like on and off stuff in there. There's a period where he's taking a break as Robin and Stephanie Brown becomes Robin Ooh. Stephanie Brown originally becomes a vigilante to fight against her criminal father. She's sometimes Tim Drake's girlfriend. She has a whole arc in the Robin comic series where she's like a pregnant teenager, and like her mom's trying to get her to have an abortion, and she decides to carry the baby to term and all of this so stuff. So this
0: is in the early 1990s, right?
1: Yeah, this is that would have been. Yeah. Early nine, early 1990s sounds right. That's
0: so well, I no, no, no. that Yeah. That, that would have been like, like
1: maybe mid nineties at this point.
0: Gotcha. Just, it does seem like a really mid nineties story though. It's oh, like yeah. girl power. No, but we're going to make sure you follow all your gender. <laughs> yes.
1: <rules. laughs> so, okay. so Batman makes her Robin because Tim Drake is taking a break from being Robin. She gets killed by criminals but then later they're like she wasn't actually dead she just got really really fucked up and we decided to pretend that she was dead for her own safety
0: thing like it's
1: necessary guys yeah it's messed up (laughs) the the fifth robin and i guess he's technically still the like current robin is damian wayne it's bruce wayne's son by Mm -hmm. talia al ghul the assassin lady He's first introduced in the comics as Bruce Wayne's son in 1987, he doesn't actually begin serving as Robin until the mid-2000s, I think, and he actually, he first serves as Robin under Dick Grayson as Batman, because everyone except Tim Drake thinks that Batman is dead, but Batman was actually (laughs) time-traveling. I love we I don't love talk comic about
0: books because comic books are basically soap operas in book form they
1: really are <laughs> they really really are that's amazing um so yeah I think I think Damian Wayne still holds the title as Robin Bruce Wayne had another has had another protege a kid named Duke Thomas who agreed to be trained by Batman but specifically said I won't be another Robin so he always had his own code name, his own thing. He is the first Black protege of Batman. He is not Batman's first protege of color. That would be Cassandra Kane, who was raised without language because she was taught to be a pure killing machine from childhood.
0: Okay, first of all, if you surround <laughs> someone with language, then they have it. And if they don't have language, that means they've been in severe isolation. But that also means you cannot train them to be a killer. Yeah. also that's really weird and horrible and unethical but okay uh-huh. it is Gotham I guess
1: yeah <laughs> I think she's technically from Hong Kong you know it's nice knows to what see they do in Hong Kong storylines about
0: just completely dehumanizing people of, co- of color and entire mm-hmm. cultures <laughs> yeah it's fun okay so there have been a lot of Robins there have been a lot of Robins it was there any ever any explanation as to why they were referred to as Robin
1: the story that I remember and I don't know when this was included in the canon or if it even is canon was that Dick Grayson's mom called him her little Robin and Hmm. he picked that as his own code name what's interesting is you know when characters graduate from being Robin like what what is the name that they choose next so like Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson went on to be Nightwing Jason went on to be Red Hood for reasons we will get into Tim Drake went on to be Red Robin I thought you were gonna say that he just went on to be in finance (laughs) Uh, he is also he he is employed by Wayne Incorporated or whatever as one of as like their CFO, so yes, of course. Um, so yeah, basically. he is also <laughs> in finance. I'm pretty sure Stephanie Brown has gone back to her original vigilante name of the Spoiler. Hmm. And there's some storylines in which Damian Wayne ends up being Batman after he's Robin. All right, so we're talking about Jason Todd today. Second Robin in 1985 was when he was like introduced as we know as as what became canon like the mm-hmm. street kid his father was a criminal who had been killed by two-face
0: his uh, mother
1: was a drug addict and was basically absent like we is... know that she's like still alive but she is not any kind of caregiver to him Jason comes from a strikingly different socioeconomic background than Bruce Wayne or even Dick Grayson. Like even though Dick Grayson is from a like circus family, it's a it's a successful circus. Like they it they have this sense of themselves as like artists, you know. So uh, Okay. He has a Jason has a very different personality. He's very like Dick Grayson was always like cheerful and wisecracking and Mm-hmm. you know Jason is very brash and surly he's impulsive and he sees good and evil in much more relative terms than batman does because probably he has lived within the like more systemic nature of what happens yeah. with crime he understands and neighborhoods and stuff. that there is a difference
0: between legality and morality yeah,
1: yeah. so Batman has has in the course of his tenure as a superhero always been very strictly opposed to firearms but we see Jason shooting at criminals really early on like there's one issue in the 80s, where he like. He, he's beating up some criminals and one of them drops a gun and he picks it up and like starts firing it at them as they're running away. And he often uses more force than necessary to like subdue people. This is shown as like generating tension between mentor and protege. And it kind of right. comes to a head with a guy named Felipe Garzanasa, mm-hmm. who is a foreign national of probably some made-up country because that's what they do yeah, in comic books a lot of the time made up south american country. yeah <laughs> um so he, he's a foreign national which is important mm-hmm. because he isn't th- there are legal issues at here and he rapes a woman and then that woman goes on to die by suicide mm-hmm. and it's depicted as him kind of like driving her to it in some way
0: right
1: jason chases this guy down Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of the, the way the panels work is we see like Jason chasing after him. They go into a room and then we see a kind of like outdoor scene or like something through a window or something. And we see Felipe falling oh, geez. from like a balcony and he falls to his death. Oh. And and to this day, we don't know if Jason pushed him right or if he fell.
0: So when did this... Come out again in the mid eighties or late eighties.
1: The story. Yes, this would have been probably eighty-seven. I'm gonna guess. Okay, so we've got this really beautifully
0: racist story about a man from some unnamed Central or South American country raping a woman. Well, he could have been European. Like he could have been. I guess he could have been from Spain. That's Spano Italian or something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Um, but a man who's like ethnically marked in a particular kind yeah. of way and a non-citizen, who then rapes a woman, which is something that the psychopath billionaire Batman would never do. <laughs> yeah. And then Jason pushes him off a balcony. Cause that's how you deal with rapists in this world.
1: Oh, it's oh, they actually tell us uh, Bogato, Bo- wait, Bogatago. Bogota? It's that's not Bogota. they, it's supposed to be Bogota, but they made it up. It's like, oh, yeah, they made up a country for the purpose of he's not from Colombia, guys, he's from Colombiana. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. This is like this is kind of a a breaking point for Batman because like Mm -hmm. Jason is saying I didn't do it I he fell like he he, I didn't touch him Mm -hmm. and Batman has very severe doubts they are at loggerheads at this point and Mm -hmm. Jason finds out that his mother is not his biological mother Okay, so the the mother that he thought was his who was very absent and drug addicted. Yeah. Okay. Not actually his birth mother. And he runs away to try to find his birth mother. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He tracks her down to Ethiopia. For some reason, they, like, actually used a real country in this case. Um, (laughs) Where she is working as an aid worker. So Jason uses his newfound Wayne money to, like, get on a plane and go to ethiopia Mm -hmm. it turns out that she is being blackmailed by the joker Mm. who has somehow made this connection between her and jason todd and bruce wayne and i'm not really sure i don't really remember i don't like reading this particular storyline in the comics (laughs) yeah so he's she's being blackmailed by the joker she helps lure robin into a trap The Joker is waiting for them. Mm -hmm. The Joker beats Robin very, very badly with a crowbar and then leaves him and his mother tied up in a warehouse with a bomb. Yeah. And that's the end of the issue. And at the end of the issue, Mm -hmm. readers are given instructions. They can choose Robin's fate. So they are given one phone number to call if they think Robin should live. Mm-hmm. And a different phone number to call if they think Robin should die. Wow. So the votes come in. It's 5,271 votes for him to live, mm-hmm. 5,343 votes that he dies. So Robin oh, wow. is killed off by a margin of about 70, it's 74 votes. Oh no. <laughs> um, How so did they kill him? He he gets blown up in the warehouse and there's this oh, whole right. thing of like Batman cradling his broken body and like head depending head on where the low. bomb was. I don't think there'd be much to hold on to. But anyway, that is one it. of the questions. He I mean he'd also at this point been beaten pretty badly by a crowbar. So yeah. like so Bruce Wayne buries a Robin, he says never again. And then Mm -hmm. a couple of years later, Tim Drake's like, hey, make me Robin. And Bruce Wayne's like, okay, I don't know. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so.
0: Jason wasn't his favorite. He wasn't like happy enough, I guess. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) So there's another like universe altering crossover event that happens that mm-hmm. results in a few different characters being brought back to life across the DC universe mm-hmm. including Jason Todd so it's yeah. about six months after his death Jason digs his way out of his own grave I mean um, uh, have, <laughs> hasn't he had enough trauma God. Yeah. <laughs> he he's kind of like stumbling around like a zombie basically and he like he manages to get some like 12 or 15 miles from the cemetery where he's buried Mm -hmm. and then collapses and some nice person takes him to a hospital where he's in a coma for a year nobody identifies him he's just a john doe this whole time presumably his mother is dead now too yes right yes she she also died when he wakes up he doesn't remember anything about his past and he, he seems to have very low cognitive function so like mm-hmm. he's released but he's basically wandering the streets and people seem to think he's like a mentally disabled vagrant most of the time question so mm-hmm. he died in ethiopia is he still in ethiopia or am i wrong no. about that No, he he did die in Ethiopia, but Bruce Wayne brought the body back to Gotham. Yeah. Okay. Because he has the money to do that. That's true. (laughs) After some time, Jason is discovered by Talia al Ghul, Batman's Mm -hmm. baby daddy. Talia takes Jason to a Lazarus pit, which is what her father uses to live forever. And she dumps him in. Mm -hmm. And it restores his memory, it restores his physical abilities, maybe even, like, amplifies them to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. But it's also possible that the Lazarus pit, like, alters his personality somewhat, or at least it, like, reduces some of his inhibitions so that earlier impulsiveness and brashness just gets amplified. But after he gets out, like, Jason is just pissed at the world. Yeah. And has a lot of trouble controlling himself at times he spends some period of time like a a year or a couple of years training with various like assassins and criminals and other sketchy people Mm -hmm. and he almost always ends up killing them after he trains with them because he judges them to be evil people (laughs) seems seems fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) what I want to know is why anybody was like taking him on anymore like Talia keeps like showing up with somebody else for him to train with and he's just like okay like nobody is noticing that they're all dying. I think you just have to like give up a certain degree
0: of plausible deniability with both comic books and video games where you're just like why are these people still fighting me? I have killed hundreds of people like what what is going on?
1: Yeah. So Jason decides to go back to Gotham City he he actually sees a like I think it's like a newspaper article about the Joker mm-hmm. and can't believe that Batman did not take care of the Joker once and for all he's like talking to Talia about it Talia's answer is to have sex with him so <laughs>
0: Some normal
1: response uh-huh yeah <laughs> Jason goes back to Gotham City. He gets involved in this like really convoluted plot involving this guy that, like, sometimes claims to be Bruce Wayne's illegitimate half brother. Mm-hmm and just generally has like problems with Bruce Wayne. So basically he goes back though, to see what Batman has done to avenge his death. And the Mm -hmm. answer is that Batman hasn't done anything That the Joker's still running around. And that at this point, the Joker has, you know, paralyzed Barbara Gordon, put her in a wheelchair. So he is, he's really, really angry. So Jason decides that he is going to get some answers. He takes on the mantle of the Red Hood, mm-hmm. which in some storylines was like the Joker's original villain persona. Hmm. The Joker's origin story changes every decade or so, right? Um, so, in, in one of them, he was serving as part of like the Red Hood gang when he became the Joker. So, Jason Todd takes on this name of the Red Hood. He he wears this like red. He wears re- he wears red helmets of various types throughout this, but he always goes by mm-hmm. the name of the Red Hood. He begins consolidating gangs around Gotham under his leadership. Okay, and he decides to like take on the rival criminal empire in Gotham at this time with the intent of like cleaning up the corruption. So right. Jason's approach to this is like the the gang members that work for him have rules, and these are th- these are like clearly rules based on Jason's own experience as a child living, living in like crime ridden neighborhoods. Mm. So like anyone who is part of his gang is not allowed to sell drugs or anyone who's working on his turf at all is Mm. not allowed to sell drugs within a certain range of schools. Right. And if people break this rule, the red hood punishes them. Okay. So it's, it almost starts to feel like a hamsterdam kind of thing where it's Mm -hmm. like we're not going to cut out all crime but maybe we can minimize the impact by viciously enforcing a set of rules it's really
0: it it is really interesting isn't it because it also plays within like the just the the tough on crime tough on Mm -hmm. drugs war against drugs dare program stuff that was going on in that time period Mm -hmm. Like, oh, won't someone please think of the children?
1: So uh, during this time when he's like doing his gang building thing, he also breaks into Titan's Tower. At this point, Tim Drake is Robin and also Mm. part of the Teen Titans and he's staying at Titan's Tower. So Jason breaks into Titan's Tower and he beats up Tim Drake Mm. and he does it, he puts on his old Robin costume to break in and beat up the current Robin. (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting so they're they're very much like Batman has a a kind of tradition of making villains out of mentally ill people that does seem to be the case doesn't it because if you look at you
0: know if you look at Joker I mean there's a lot as you pointed out I'm sure there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different origin stories but he's clearly not well he Mm -hmm. seems to be very I think bipolar might be not an inept description of some of the things yeah. that he seems to present you know and if you look at like two faces well like this is someone who what was the DA or the ADA at some point yeah. and then and then became this huge criminal after something terrible happens to him or at least I, I again I, I have limited knowledge of all these people from mostly just the Christopher Nolan movies
1: yeah
0: you know and then what um, is it Poise, Poison Ivy is like I just want trees and
1: plants yeah just like (laughs) geez there's actually a really great podcast called the arkham sessions in which Mm -hmm. one of the two co-hosts is a i think she's a clinical psychologist not 100% sure but she's a she is a like psychology specialist Mm -hmm. and they go through batman the animated series from a lens of like psychological analysis of what is going on for these characters so at at this point in the storyline the the narrative is very much treating Jason as though he is a new member of this long line of mentally unstable people becoming villains because healthy people don't put on their old vigilante costume to go beat up the guy who's wearing their vigilante costume now who they've never met before this is the first time that i think jason taught healthy people
0: put on a huge bat costume and and beat up criminals
1: before they take
0: them to the police
1: (laughs) right that's what healthy people do so after that happens jason he kidnaps the joker Mm -hmm he uses the joker to lure batman to crime alley which is where jason was originally trying i know it's called crime <laughs> alley they were um, like what should we call it uh, crime alley seems good i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure crime <laughs> alley is a holdover from the 40s like yeah
0: that does seem to be <laughs>
1: um but that was where jason was trying to boost batman's tires when they first met So he gets, he gets Batman in crime alley. He's holding Joker at gunpoint and he asks Batman why he never avenged him. And Batman says like, it's a line. He won't cross. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Jason gives him an ultimatum. Jason will kill the Joker unless Batman kills him first. And he like throws Batman a gun and he's counting down with like his gun to the Joker's head, waiting to see what Batman will do. That's so Uh, weird
0: because all Jason had to do was just kill the Joker. Like he's clearly more angry at Batman who I guess that sort of makes sense because Batman served as like the pseudo parental figure in his life. And Mm -hmm. when he needed him most, I guess he let him down maybe, but I don't know. It's still kind of
1: strange. Part of it at this point too is I think, I think what part of it is is that Jason thinks that if Batman had done what like needed to be done mm-hmm. after Jason died, which was like putting an end to the Joker, right? Barbara Gordon would not have been hurt as well. Gotcha. So it's kind of like es- like escalated a lot of the anger at Batman specifically. Right. I also like honestly it it sometimes irritates me I know that it's because the Joker is like the like key Batman villain or whatever and like we can never get rid of him because what's the point of Batman if we don't have the Joker to fight him but like honestly how many times can a guy break out of jail that's true he's clearly a danger to
0: society
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, also, they're just sending him to jail instead of like a psychiatric facility. Well, they they do technically send him to Arkham Asylum over and over again, uh, and he just okay. breaks out of Arkham Asylum. Gotcha. So at the at the last second, Batman manages to like throw a batarang, and it like slices Jason's neck, and Jason's like ah, and in that split second, the Joker manages to like wiggle out of his grasp and set off mm-hmm. some explosives because. <laughs> always carrying explosives explosives. (laughs) so for the next few years jason kind of periodically pops up to like mess with the bat family Mm -hmm. um he's almost always making the argument that like his way of doing things is the right way to do things that what they're doing is ineffective and he he kind of just says that like the best way to stop criminals from doing crimes is to kill them so so he and the police get along famously. Um, he he actually ends up in prison for a while. He escapes from prison because, like, like I said, these prisons are like Swiss cheese prisons or something. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I also think like there's
0: so many just absolutely wild criminals <laughs>
1: in Gotham. Yeah.
0: The prison guards are like, no, please just leave me alone.
1: Yeah. Just leave. I just <laughs> want to go home at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So he he ends up in prison for a while. He escapes around the time that Batman is killed. But actually, Batman's just time traveling because you can't kill Batman. But so Tim Drake invites Jason to come to the Batcave to hear you know, Batman had left this like last will and testament with like recordings for all of these people in his life. And Mm -hmm. Tim Drake invites Jason to come listen to his section. At first, we as the audience don't see what Jason hears. We only find out later what it is that that Batman says to Jason. And it's but what we do know is whatever it was that he said sets Jason off and Jason decides that he is going to be the new Batman, and he is going to do things right. And he makes himself a bat suit that also (laughs) includes guns, and he starts living in the abandoned subway. (laughs) Oh,
0: Jason, Jason, Jason,
1: Jason. Uh He shoots Damien and also stabs Tim in the chest and eventually is taken down by Dick. And And we, he does that thing where he like kind of falls off into an abyss and we can't see where he goes and we're not sure if he's dead or not, but Dick Grayson came out on top. So now he's the new Batman.
0: Mm. I mean, that's how Uh,
1: everyone becomes a Batman. (laughs) Right. You have to kill the guy pretending to be the Batman, I guess. (laughs) so he jason todd shows up again to take on dick as batman and damien as robin he has a new sidekick with him it's a girl named Scarlett, mm. whose father is a mad scientist who sewed a weird fucked up doll face onto her face and now she's like <laughs> scared to take the face off because she's worried that her own face is actually horribly mutilated underneath but as long as she leaves this like Sewn on face on. She doesn't know. That's really, really weird. (laughs) Yeah. They have a whole like cat and mouse thing again. Jason gets captured again. This time he's sent to Arkham Asylum. Mm -hmm. He spends some time there. He's transferred from arkham to the regular prison and when he gets there he poisons the cafeteria food resulting in the deaths of 80 something people how does he manage to
0: poison the cafeteria food he gets there they're like yep you're working on the on cafeteria duty and here's some poison we bought for you (laughs) like what's going on
1: during during this time period this is kind of interesting jason's often shown reading classical literature there's this like one really famous panel of him reading pride and prejudice in the prison yard
0: Hmm. he's
1: an erudite sort he's becoming like Tim. yeah (laughs) yeah uh learning to appreciate the finer things i don't know So he, he gets sent back to Arkham Asylum, but on the way there, he's broken out by some mercenaries and he basically disappears again. Mm -hmm. We then had the, the like new 52 revamp happen, which happened in 2011. Mm -hmm. And it basically was another one of those like universe altering crossover events. And Batman comes back from his time traveling, which is Mm -hmm. part of it and can now be Batman again. Yeah. At this point, Jason is moved from his, like, kind of, like, lawful evil Mm -hmm. alignment to more of a chaotic good alignment. Okay. Yeah. So in the New 52 reboot, he's in a title called Red Hood and the Outlaws. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Outlaws are another lapsed sidekick who is also a recovering alcoholic. He was Mm -hmm. Green Arrow's sidekick and green arrow kicked him out because he couldn't get his drinking under control so he actually ends up going to killer croc like killer croc is his aa sponsor which okay so there's roy that guy and then the other member of the outlaws is starfire who Mm -hmm. in this reboot is an alien princess with a drug problem okay (laughs) why not yeah um and they they team up to like stop this like ancient evil from escaping into the world okay so at this point he like he still shoots people but it's it's less wanton destruction like he has like the goals in mind that are ultimately beneficial like not letting this huge evil thing escape but he doesn't mind shooting people if he thinks they deserve it the means justify the ends yeah type of yeah yeah he also we see him in the new 52 he works cases for batman periodically batman has this whole like batman incorporated initiative which mm-hmm. we definitely should talk about one time because <laughs> of racism they have a native american batman his name is man of bats okay yeah. oh, uh, come on settle down whoever wrote that (laughs) yeah um so we see jason working cases for batman for time to time we see him developing something of a camaraderie with damian damian doesn't know it's jason in the costume when this is happening but they like team up and work well together and they're vibing overall there's this kind of sense that like jason doesn't want to return to the family like there's too much trauma there still Mm -hmm. but he is not out for revenge anymore i haven't actually read very much of the like red hood stuff since they rebooted new 52 into whatever it is now but it Mm -hmm. from what i have seen it does look like they're continuing in the same vein where it's like jason's still the black sheep of the family but like it's it's more chaotic good than like lawful evil
0: yeah so so it seems like Jason is really sort of one of the few who comes from not only lower socioeconomic status like low income status but also working poor class as well. Yeah. Is is so is that accurate like he's kind of the only one who is not middle class or above?
1: Yeah, the other the other character that it's kind of interesting to compare him to actually is Stephanie Brown who was I'd say she comes from like a working poor family. Like her okay. Her mom works as a nurse, is a single parent. We know her mom works really long hours. They don't live in a nice neighborhood. Stephanie mm. doesn't have nice things. So the we very much get the sense that like she comes from a family where money is very tight and her mom right. is working very long hours. Yeah, most of the other parts of the bat family either come from at least like comfortably middle class backgrounds or their backgrounds are like real messed up like the woman who was trained from a child to be the ultimate killing machine. Yeah, I mean it just I I feel like
0: I wonder what is it that what is it that makes Batman want to take these people in because he he seems to have this drive to create new little vigilantes slash children slash siblings. I don't know. Like it's its hard to sort of say like, what, what do you think it is that drives Batman to take these people in? And instead of just like taking care of them, like
1: train them in the family business as it were. What we see a lot after Jason, and actually with with Jason, when bruce wayne first takes jason in he tries to get jason to go to a boarding school like a really nice boarding school with the idea being that like jason should get an education he should be taken care of Mm -hmm. and jason gets kicked out of his posh boarding school because he's too violent i mean i feel like batman should have seen that coming like you don't put a kid who
0: who's one of their biggest traumas is the Uh fact that they just like have never been taken care of or received any kind of love you don't send them away to a boarding school
1: right so (laughs) in that case bruce wayne's solution is to train jason as a vigilante in the hopes of deterring jason from becoming a criminal Hmm. because he he sees these like violent tendencies and is hoping to kind of channel those into something more productive like dressing up in swim trunks and assaulting criminals after jason but I, I maybe mischaracterized batman taking on tim drake but after jason a lot of times it was young people saying like i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. whether you help me or not and batman kind of making this decision of either like watching this young person go out and get themselves killed because they're untrained mm-hmm. or hopefully providing them with some training that will keep them alive. Yeah. Batman was just like the cool mom, of, you know, yeah.
0: like, I really don't want you drinking, but if you're going to drink, you should do it in my
1: house. I don't yeah. know why she sounds that way. <laughs> yeah. A weird sounding um, mom. And that's actually so I have a few reasons that I think Jason Todd is interesting. And one of them is the fact that like, he really forces us to like acknowledge the privilege of Bruce Wayne's background Yeah. and like, and how much that has affected his worldview. And like so much of the fighting that happens, I think between Bruce Wayne and Jason Todd has to do with the fact that like Jason has, way more firsthand experience with the like effects of crime than anyone else in the Bat family, really. Right. And also more experience with the systemic
0: issue Mm -hmm. of crime. Like it seems Mm -hmm. like Batman is the type of character and the type of story that kind of allows us to have this sort of status quo where there is a criminal class and they are they are not they can't be saved like they're going to be criminals Mm -hmm. no matter what and the only thing that separates him from the criminal class is he doesn't kill them he sends them to the police and he believes wholeheartedly in the system even though the system is clearly not working but Mm -hmm. Batman never once and I think yeah this is absolutely because of his privileged position he never once asks like maybe this keeps not working because my approach and the entire system is broken
1: yeah and there's actually this moment when when jason goes in his like old robin costume to beat up the current robin where Mm -hmm. he's like reflecting on how he would have been different as a person if his life had been like tim's life yeah and and i think that like we have to we have to kind of wrestle with that even if we find jason's methods reprehensible he does maybe make some fair points about like why does batman get to decide that these are the rules when yeah he's never even like really had to deal with this
0: yeah it's like batman can go out and like seek crime and criminals and that's what he does. It's, he's, it's supposedly tied up in his parents' death, but it seems more to be tied up in like a sense of thrill-seeking and masculinity and power mm-hmm. that he doesn't get in the same way in his daily work as a playboy, I guess, is basically yeah. his, his job title, which he, I suppose, finds really, really boring. So he seeks out this life at night, but inevitably he can go back to his very well-protected, very rich home away from all of these criminal elements, basically, and away from all of the systems that would create these criminal acts. And someone like Jason doesn't have that option. And I guess Stephanie, you know, she doesn't have that option either. It's, I think it really does kind of like tear the veil off of Batman or the mask, I guess, off of yeah. Batman in the sense of like, but wait a second, like he doesn't have to deal with any of this in any kind of way, but it also allows him to continue approaching this issue as like a personal responsibility issue when actually it's just a yeah. systemic issue with Gotham being extremely corrupt
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: and with us having way too many desperately poor people that no and one I will is investing say, in.
1: I will say this for the Batman Incorporated storyline. The the issue with Man of Bats, the issue of the comics, not the problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so at the end of it Batman's like I'll I'll get you some like new equipment, new Batmobiles and stuff and Man of Bats sidekick who I can't remember his name but he's like don't don't send us that stuff cuz like all we're going to do is sell it so that we can buy groceries for, like, the community. We don't need fancy gadgets. We need access to healthcare and, like, access to food. And I I appreciate a lot of things about the Batman Incorporated storyline because it's, like, a lot of Bruce Wayne going to other communities and saying, like, I'm going to help you fight crime my way, and then people being like, yeah, that's not what... Yeah. we actually need it's a very so. it, it makes sense because Bruce Wayne in his
0: playboy identity is also a philanthropist right and mm-hmm. so he's he definitely has that incredibly rich white you know philanthropy ideas that you just sort of parachute in and you like use your money to give them something cool Mm -hmm. but it doesn't end up working in the long run because you did not think at all about the systemic issues that that community is facing and you didn't yeah it's it's interesting and I I I actually really wonder more who Jason would be if he hadn't been taken in by Batman if someone had just been like let's give you a nice normal home outside of Gotham yeah
1: instead of yeah being taken in by this Here, you can live in this nice middle-class suburb and go to a, you know, a good public school. (laughs) And just have, like, (laughs) parents who just love him, (laughs) you know? Like, that would be interesting, I guess. Another reason why I find Jason really interesting is watching the trajectory of his, like, popularity. Like, him being so unpopular that the fans voted to kill him off all the way to coming back again as, like, a title character for a new series and i i think i i know i read this somewhere i could not track it down again but some like comics historians and like people who analyze comics culture have speculated that the reason that fans voted to kill jason off was because they were uncomfortable with his like lower class identity and the way that that came out in his mannerisms and actions and attitudes like it was it was uncomfortable to like have to confront some of these questions we've been talking about and yeah. I, I think the fact that our next Robin is very conservative in a lot of ways it helps back that up um mm-hmm. so like like I said Tim Drake was like the rich kid he's very clean cut he's smart he's well mannered and his series in the 90s like you already mentioned it was basically a mouthpiece for like dare messages it's all about like <laughs> Like, there's a whole storyline about where he finds out, like, some kids at a school are dealing drugs. So he, like, puts on one of his, like, disguises to go try to get to the bottom of this drug ring at a school. And the, the whole storyline about, like, Stephanie Brown getting pregnant and deciding to, like, carry the baby to term instead of get an abortion is a whole thing. So uh, that Robin series is very conservative in a lot of ways. Yeah, it also doesn't, like none of it
0: deals with any of the reality. Like, I'm sorry, but drugs would absolutely be present at Tim's upper class school Mm -hmm. district or even private school more than likely. And those drugs would largely be cocaine in some pot. Right. (laughs) And like dealers in so far as they might, they probably wouldn't be directly associated with the school or maybe somebody gets some and then Gives it and or sells it to someone else, but they're not a dealer per se. Like all of yeah. that stuff is like really misrepresenting what that stuff looks like. And also, I just find it really gross that Stephanie's like, "Yeah, I gotta choose to keep this baby because I'd be a monster if I didn't." Even yeah, though it that would was... be extremely better for my life and for this kid's life if I just had an abortion. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually I really enjoy reading the Robin series from the 90s because it's so funny to me and like Jason Todd is probably my favorite Robin But Tim Drake is the robin I identify with the most actually. Mm -hmm. And like seeing him in these situations where he's like talking to these like drug dealers and he's like, I'd love a chance to make some G's. And then in his head, he's thinking, like, I heard that in a rap song one time. And I'm like, oh Tim, me too. that kind of like dissonance between they're just handing him flour they're like here you go bro <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and he like he's gonna pull out his little like micro computer and test it right there because like that's the kind of nerd he is but we see so we see something change in the late 2000s when Jason they they take him Off of this trajectory where he seems to really going into like mentally unstable supervillain territory, Mm -hmm. and they start bringing him back around towards something more palatable before the new Fifty Two reboot, and then after the new Fifty Two reboot, where he's you know kind of like not who he was before in a lot of ways. I would speculate that maybe this has to do something with like post 9-11 paranoia. Suddenly the idea of preemptive strikes Mm -hmm. seems more palatable maybe. And Red Hood has never quite gotten to the same level as like The Punisher in terms of its like adoption by alt-right folks as yeah i was
0: gonna say he seems like more of a punisher protege than he does a batman protege although i don't see batman as being extremely different he just gives
1: the criminals to the cops to kill instead right right (laughs) so i i don't know i think it's kind of interesting to like it would be really interesting actually to like get some data about popular opinions about crime and punishment and that kind of thing and see how it maps on with these different movements of like batman characters but that's yeah, the project I mean, for not me i guess <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely i feel like viewers voting to kill jason in 1988 like that's not a surprise right we're mm-hmm. we're in the midst of like the the welfare queen as as Mm -hmm. created out of basically nothing by Ronald Reagan if you're interested there's a great episode about this on You're Wrong About where they talk about the fact that yes there was a woman that he called a welfare queen yes she did commit low amounts of fraud from the welfare office but it was only like a couple thousand bucks like he's But she got presented as this person who was making thousands upon thousands of dollars every month off of the backs of hardworking Americans, you know, and then we also have the crack epidemic and the crack baby, complete moral panics about those things. We've still got the satanic panic going. We've got this development of kind of a huge response to these issues with tough on crime where... They said they were using broken windows policing, but actually they were just using like stop and frisk to be like, well, if we look for crime enough, we'll find it. And then they did, you know, all of these things definitely fit in, but they also fit within a larger ideology that I think Batman absolutely meets, right? This personal responsibility, the sense that there is a separate and inherently different and irrevocable criminal class that all you can do with them is put them away forever or put them down and you know I think Jason inevitably brings with him this sense of like well maybe it was the system all along and people were like nope
1: (laughs) yeah we can't have that Uh, it's really funny that you mentioned the satanic panic because the last big story arc that Batman and Robin did together before Jason was killed off. Mm -hmm. They go into the sewers to find a cult (laughs) and like, it it has okay so everybody knows the meme where like Batman is slapping Robin but like the yeah. storyline features Robin slapping Batman because Batman's starting to get hysterical about mm-hmm. it I think he'd like been affected by some like fumes or something like that so it's almost like Batman got high the first time and started to like wig <laughs> out and Robin had to like s- smack him back into coherency. <laughs> Yeah. Jason was like, get it together. Okay. Oh my gosh. It's just a little pot. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. But also like if a cult is going to have any sufficient power, they
1: are not living in
0: the sewers. That's all I want to point
1: out. (laughs) Yeah. One of the other reasons I find Jason Todd interesting is like the role he kind of plays in fandom in general. Like there's a there's a stereotype about Jason Todd fangirls, which always Mm -hmm. makes me a little bit uncomfortable now to admit that like, no, I really do like Jason Todd. But there's this whole idea, I think, especially among male audience members that like, Mm -hmm. you know, Jason Todd's the bad boy and we know how much incels hate bad boys. (laughs) Get girls, I guess. Yep. So yes, he has this like bad boy archetype, but he I mean, he also like pushed a rapist off a roof. And well, maybe. 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 So well, I would at the argue... very least,
0: he walked up to him menacingly and he yes. fell off the roof. And he was very <laughs> angry about the rape. Listen, seeing men be angry about rape and wanting to do something about it and blaming the rapist rather than the victim is extremely yeah, sexy. It's, okay. it's kind of
1: attractive, you know? It's um and and the fact that like he gets so mad about what happens with Barbara Gordon as well. Yeah. Like there's a few different times where you see him getting really, really upset about violence against women in particular. And um, we know
0: that just completely callous, careless violence against women is just like the way you push your story forward yeah. <laughs> rather than like seeing them as actual people with feelings yeah. and Yeah. So, you know, you might be able to call him a bad boy, but it's kind of sexy for him to have this awareness and everyone around him is like, no, don't be aware of that, Jason.
1: Yeah. I also, I, this is going to resonate with a lot of things we talked about. Jason is a character who's like trying to grow up while only having emotionally immature people as parents. So like we've got his drug addict mom. Mm -hmm. We have his birth mom who manipulates him into a dangerous situation yeah we have Batman who is like the most emotionally immature person Talia al Ghul is kind of fulfilling a parent role at one point but then also has sex with him to try to like calm him down yeah that's not a good parenting Um, (laughs) and one of the things that I think is really notable about the like switch to the new 52 is in that storyline Jason undergoes training with this thousands of years old woman who's like mm-hmm. this elder in her community. She's been like the vessel for this ancient evil for a long time and has mm-hmm. learned to like balance light and darkness and good feelings and bad feelings into an equilibrium.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think maybe part of the fact that we see Jason being a generally more collected human being in that storyline is because it's a storyline where he finally has a like relatively emotionally mature person
0: yeah
1: to show him what it looks like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that it's not all black and white. it's it's mm-hmm. not all criminals or good guys. It's very complicated. And we have to find ways to balance these things. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I had never heard of Jason Todd before today, but I feel like he, yeah, he seems to me to be a really fascinating character that (laughs) I'm not surprised fans
1: killed off in 1988, but I'm a little sad that they did. Yeah. I'm still mad about it. I think if I if I had a list of names for those 5,300 and some odd people who voted to kill him off, I might call their phone numbers and say, (laughs) I disagree what you did in 1988. I might tweet about it. Yeah. (laughs) I might tweet about you.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I think one big question I have Mm -hmm. is do we feel like Batman will continue to be a relevant superhero or do we feel like the days of Batman being a relevant superhero are kind of fading now as we enter into a lot more awareness about police violence, about systemic racism and classism and transphobia?
1: Man, that's a good question. I I think we've seen Batman- undergo makeovers so many times by this point that my prediction is they'll just do another makeover somehow I think for me like Batman
0: has always been a really interesting superhero and the universe is interesting because it at least I've always read it as like it isn't black and white and Batman is not moral per se like he's kind of an amoral character mm-hmm. who is very who's complicated in that way and you can see how in the universe of Gotham which sure produces a lot of super villains somehow
1: so and many. just
0: a really it's just a shithole and it's like I can see why living in this shithole even as a billionaire you might become this unhinged I suppose because it seems like lots of people are primed to become unhinged and maybe in some way that is sort of reflective to some degree of our world and that we do have heavy corruption we do have systems that sort of lead to the development of just career criminals because we don't allow them to rehabilitate we do have people who who take out their rage on others except instead of in the form of really weird gross violent pranks it's just mass shootings instead you know it's it's interesting in that it kind of reflects ourselves back at us but it also protects ourselves from what we see in the mirror in a way that I think maybe it shouldn't anymore like we should not see Batman as someone to look up to and we should not see Gotham as a place we'd like to live. And we shouldn't see even, even Dick Grayson as a good Robin, right? Like we, none, none of these things should have happened. Instead, we needed Batman to be like, what if I used my money and power to create a better system for everyone and instead of just buying myself
1: Batmobiles? Yeah, it would be interesting. Oddly enough, Dick Grayson goes on to be a cop for a while.
0: Of course he does.
1: Yeah, he's like, <laughs> He's being a cop by day and a vigilante by night. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. That is every cop.
0: Well, not every cop's dream. But just
1: like 90%
0: of them, probably. Yeah.
1: Grayson might also be, I won't say the only, but probably one of the only male superheroes to, like, be sexually assaulted in a, like, shown in the right. Yeah. Maybe we need to have an episode about Dick Grayson. Maybe we're just, I'm just every season now there's going to (laughs) be at least one Stephanie nerds out about the bat family (laughs) episode. I think that Um, sounds great. And this is is probably like my longest running fandom. I mean, there's, there's so much to dive into.
0: And I mean, I, I will say like Aside from me sitting here and like problematizing everything in a very 2023 way and a very yeah. academic way, I will also say that like while comic books and superheroes have not generally been my bag, baby, as it were, <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. I, if I were to choose a, a superhero universe to to actually become interested in, it would be Batman, and I guess to to some degree it has been. Because there, there is just a lot of things that are interesting because they aren't so simple, so simplistic, like you tend to see with some others. Yeah. Talk about this from a fandom perspective. you said this is your longest running fandom.
1: How does this help you to think about being a fan? So we, we talked a little bit about this with the Harry Potter or sorry, the uh that one wizarding boarding school series. Yes. <laughs> featuring uh She Who Must Not Be Named. And this idea that like your relationship to a text as a fan kind of inherently changes over time. Like you mm-hmm. maybe fall out of love with it, maybe you, your feelings change. And what's kind of interesting about something like Batman and like a comic series that is as long running as this is, is that mm-hmm like not only have I changed, but the text itself, the like original thing itself has changed, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They're constantly adding to it. And I've gotten to a point of feeling like anything that is officially published at this point is really just fan fiction itself. It's just like authorized fan fiction. And this is again, maybe one of those texts where I, some like I really enjoy a lot of the fan fiction from this community because mm-hmm. it it opts to wrestle with a lot of these like moral issues really deeply or like writers will write a Batman who is like trying to unlearn some of his bad patterns or something which we will probably never see him actually do in the comic books because like yeah we can't have a happy Batman they actually did that for a a very brief period of time they had a they had a Bruce Wayne who had forgotten all about ever being Batman and he was like happy and well adjusted and was about to get married and and then they were like nope can't have that and put him right back into being Batman because it's not interesting if he's happy yeah (laughs) Um, uh, that's too bad but yeah. again, um, Bruce is a billionaire and I have a hard time feeling bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I think that idea of like how much time and space does this take up in your head? Like mm-hmm. Batman takes up a lot of space in my head. I, I know like all of these little factoids about the storylines. And mm-hmm. like I've re- I've spent so much time reading. The comics and put a lot of money into reading the comics Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and for like I've kind of been in a like man not so much phase lately but even as I was like putting together my notes for this episode today I was like feeling that excitement again of like oh man like maybe I should go see what's happening in the comics right now like I wonder what they've been doing with Damien lately and I think that feeling of like the the like time and effort that I've put into being a fan of this series being paid back to me over and over again I guess it seems like this for a lot of
0: comic book fandom that like inherently the longer a comic book goes on all new issues because they're written by new people are mm-hmm. a, a form of fan fiction in a really mm-hmm. interesting kind of way With the exception, as you pointed out, I think that in actual fan fiction, a lot of writers are more interested in digging more deeply and giving the characters true arcs instead of maintaining them the same forever. Well, thank you for teaching me about Robin today. I had no idea that there was more than one Robin. (laughs) (laughs) This is
1: this is my like big trivia card. Like anytime we're at a trivia and there's some kind of like big bonus question where it's like name all the people who have been Robin. I'm just like, yes, yeah, my time has come. I'll try to remember
0: this if it ever comes up in trivia here, but I doubt I'll remember all of them. (laughs) You can like text me under the table. No, no, that's cheating.
1: I feel very about
0: that. (laughs) We don't cheat. No cheating. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Random Fandom. We will catch you next time. Bye, y'all.